Hey, Anthony, it's that time again. To finally go back to a movie theater? Yeah, yeah w- wait, no. No, not at all. Then what? It's time to make the podcast. Oh, 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 oh yeah, that thing. Once again, we have reached that time of the week. Time to dive into the movies we love and the movies we wish we could forget. Pitting them against each other to receive praise uh, or hatred. Based on a scale of our choosing. So let's jump into it. This is the Double Feature Podcast. All right, guys, welcome to uh, A versus B Double Feature, where we got, you know, uh, double the DC talk, double the regrets. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I just want to start this off, man. You know, when uh, when Brad first told me about this episode, he was like, uh, all right, so uh, let's let's talk about Harley Quinn. I was like, Yes versus suicide squad i'm like no yeah i kind of had the same like thought in my head because i was like okay we definitely need to do this episode because it's a big deal with those two movies comparison but you know what i said to myself you know man i never watched that movie i don't plan on it and he was like dude you gotta watch it for the cast i'm like all right i watched it and you know what man i enjoyed it suicide squad or birds of prey Oh, both. I mean, I was going to okay. see Harley Quinn regardless, but I like Suicide Squad, man. So the topic today, we got we got Suicide Squad, commercially successful and like mostly critically panned. Is it like yeah, 50%, it's, half and half? Yeah, it's not very good with audiences or with critics. I think it's like one of the, like a lot of people when it comes to the DC movies are kind of, uh, you know, you have your diehard fans that are like, no, I, I love that movie. Like Man right. of Steel, Batman versus Superman. You know, you have a lot of people that will defend those movies. Okay. I don't think anybody's defending Suicide Squad, really. You know what? I might be the first. And so we got that versus Bird of Prey. Uh, critically acclaimed, but not commercially successful. Right. That one's just flopping in the box office right now we're in week like five in the box office and i think it's already been pushed down to just almost like dollar theaters at this point okay so let's start off with ss so i had just watched this movie for the first time recently but i want to know from your perspective when you first saw it in theaters what was your what was your reaction so uh to start off, I'm a huge fan of the Suicide Squad comics. Uh-oh. So when they first Uh-oh. announced <laughs> this movie... I know how you guys act, man. I, I was already hyped for it and everything like that. Uh, David Ayer as the director, I was like, okay, I can get behind that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rope training day. Yep. Uh, so it, there was a lot kind of me going, okay, I can get behind this movie. And then the first trailers came out, and I was like, oh, this is going to be like one of those dark kind of like DC movies. This is what uh, they've been trying to do with like Man of Steel, making it a little bit darker and a little bit more in the realistic pain than mm-hmm. the comics, which go just batshit in terms of, you know, what is reality. Right, right, right. So having an already kind of grounded idea for Suicide Squad, because the overall concept of Suicide Squad is it's just a team of villains that are put together that were put in prison and forced to work for the government, you know, or die. Mm-hmm. That That's their choice. They do the mission or they die. That okay. That's pretty much the premise of it. The team always is swapping out. So whoever they announced for the team really didn't matter. So when they were like, okay, so we're going to put Harley Quinn, Deadshot, Killer Croc, El Diablo, Captain Boomerang, Slipknot, all on the Suicide Squad with uh, Rick Flagg and Katana watching over them. It's like, cool, there's a good cast. I like those characters. Let's go into it. And so... I actually saw this at a screening two weeks before it came out. Okay. And the screening was packed. It's one of the few screenings I've gone to where they've actually kicked people out of the theater before the movie starts to get more people in because people are being rowdy before the movie starts. Wow. So they already had that kind of line outside that they were like, no, no, we can tell you're going to be a problem when the movie starts. You get out now. Two people in take their spots. Okay, so we got rowdiness, we got anticipation, we got yeah. all this. We got we got episode one Phantom Menace uh pre screening kind of anticipation. Pretty much, yeah. So fast forward to the end credits. What's what's your state of mind? Uh the theater was half empty. <laughs> people left during people the film? left during a screen. It was probably the most packed screening I've gone to that ended up empty toward the end. I think the only one that comes close is like Jurassic Park uh, Fallen Kingdom 
Which wow. that one, it, about a third of the theater left, I think, from wow. that one. Uh, all right, but before I say what, what I got to say about the movie, what's your response to Suicide Squad? Why do you think, in your mind, it fails? Uh, for me, the parts that I think that people just didn't like is the character kind of like the way that they introduce the characters isn't very interesting at the beginning. They kind of just flash a bunch of information at you, throw you into the movie, and people that aren't fans of the comics that don't know these characters really have no idea who they are. Like, tell me, do you have any idea who Slipknot is? Which one was he? Exactly. <laughs> no, no, because all uh, I remember he, is the Boomerang, Deadshot, Harley Quinn, the Katana lady, yep. uh, Killer Croc. Yep. Which one was Slipknot? Slipknot was the guy at the very beginning that just like was like nope i'm not doing this and just spraying off and then got killed instantly he didn't even have an intro oh yeah oh yeah that guy uh i have no idea what he is yeah yeah his entire power is like he's really good at grappling and assassinations like very quick get in get out situations oh so yeah they didn't do backstory on him at all so as soon as he pops in they're like oh yeah this is slipknot and uh, katana she kills people and their souls get trapped in her sword okay moving on and you're like well slipknot's gonna die because you didn't give me any information on him and <laughs> five minutes later slipknot dies it's like okay uh he had to be the sacrifice yeah well everybody kind of knew that it was gonna happen because i think in the trailer is that only scene with him sliding off and then the rest of the trailers he's not to be seen right right, everybody kind of was like yeah slipknot's dying real early in this movie (laughs) almost guaranteed okay and but it for non-comic book fans it really didn't explain a lot about these characters and why you should care about them like they did it for harley quinn they did for deadshot Killer Croc, they basically go, yeah, he uh, looks like a monster, so people treat him like a monster, so he became a monster. Moving on. Diablo. He's got fire powers. We don't understand him, so we throw him in a water tank. Well, and he killed his uh, family on accident. Yeah. You know, I I think Diablo was was treated right. By the end, he was treated right. But at the beginning, like, if you watch the first 30 minutes of that movie, Mm -hmm. it's, it's a mess. It's not until, like, about an hour in that it starts actually getting structurally sound. You know, I might be in the minority on this one. I, I think it's a... Me- I'm coming from a... Look, I'm a fan of comic books, but I'm not a fan of Suicide Squad. Okay. Uh, so, the first 30 minutes, I was kind of intrigued. I was intrigued. And let me tell you what intrigued me. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm getting a lot thrown at me, but I can follow the story here. It's a superhero film, anti-superhero film. You know, and Viola Davis is in a badass role. You know, she's carrying the film well. Will Smith looks pretty good as Deadshot. And uh, surprisingly, uh, Margot Robbie kind of stole the show with Harley Quinn. And I wanted to know more about her backstory with the Joker. And this is just the first 30 minutes of what my mind state is. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know what? This film is doing good, like, from my standpoint as a non-comic book fan. Um, yeah, the Slipknot thing was kind of, I, I, that, that, was, that was a bad call. Yeah, they should have given him an actual intro, kind of done the same thing with him that they did with the others. Because it's not like they took too much time on El Diablo or Killer Croc. Dude, what's the point of Boomerang? He just has a boomerang? Like, is there something more to him? Uh, He's just a very... uh, He's a really good thief, is what it comes down to. Yeah, we we, we could have did without him. Yeah, he's really good at, like, cracking safes and stuff like that. So that's what he primarily does. He's basically in the comics uh, in Australia where he comes from. He's like the most notorious kind of villain there because he's pretty much robbed every bank there and everything like that. And they kind of say that at the beginning of the movie where they're like, he got bored of robbing banks in Australia. So he came to the U.S. and it was his first time when he got caught. Okay, All right. We got to layer this out, man. Layer this out. Okay, we got to talk about plot. We gotta yes. talk about characters. We gotta talk about Joker comparisons, and we gotta talk about just overall what 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 do we take away from this movie? Now, you want to start with Joker? We can start with Joker. You know what, man? Leto. Um, I was kind of afraid to see this movie because I didn't know what Leto was gonna do with it, but he wasn't bad. He was a nice punk rock Joker. I feel like he 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 did what was asked of him. See, I. I didn't care for him as the Joker. I like Jared Leto as an actor. I liked him when he was on screen. I felt like when he's on screen, I'm like, okay, this is a solid scene here. See, I just don't like where they were taking the Joker with it because they were trying to go more, oh, this Joker is deranged and psychotic and stuff like that. And What's he, new? 
<laughs> he's always been deranged. Not really. He's more like uh, contemplated in like the comics and other like mediums of the shows and movies and stuff like that. Like, look at Dark Knight Joker. He has a plan of what's going on and everything like that. He's very like. Uh, what is levels? I, I, I mean, listen. There's levels. I I look at it as like, and this is a this is a good T-shirt I looked at. The Dark Knight Joker is the criminal mastermind. The Joaquin Joker is the comedian, the deranged comedian. Yep. Su- Suicide Squad is the is the punk rock Joker, the gangster. Well, no, he's the punk rock Joker. That's it. Uh, Jack Nicholson was the gangster. You know, I, I feel like there's levels. You know, mm-hmm. I feel like this level to me wasn't bad. See, it's it's not a level that I enjoyed. Okay. Okay. So, but at the same time, I know there's a lot of scenes with him that were cut that were going to like kind of bring up to the pace of where he is now. Did you watch and the extended cut? I did. They're, uh, they never released those scenes. Oh. So people only know they exist because parts of them are in the early trailers. So how y'all going to give Zack Snyder a pass for the Snyder cut, but you guys don't show David Ayer no love? Yeah, it's, come on, man. Well, not only that, but uh, during the actual production of the movie, there was a version of the movie that David Ayer kind of presented out, and it was a lot of critics loved it. That mm. saw it during like early showings and stuff like that, mm. and then they ended up taking the movie and tried to make it more like Guardians of the Galaxy because Guardians of the Galaxy like hit it off big, right? And to do that, they gave it to the company that made the trailers that were very successful on, like, YouTube and other streaming platforms. So the movie was cut up by a company that makes movie trailers. And you can kind of get that impression at the beginning, too, with how they, like, introduce the characters and everything like that. Wow. That's like a fire festival effect. Yeah. That that, that didn't go well. So... it's this information came out like after the movie released and kind of looking back at it it's easy to go yeah i can i can tell that this was kind of cut by somebody that does like movie trailers there's a lot of scenes that like the music really would cut in and out at weird moments throughout it kind of like they were prepping for something and then dead and then it goes on wow the movie felt like a a a a two-hour trailer man yeah now that you're telling me that it makes sense yep Wow. So there's a lot of people that have been kind of going, I want to see the David Ayer version of Suicide Squad. I want to see what his version of it was because there's a lot of scenes that got cut from it that you can kind of see if you watch the first two trailers. Yeah, and he's he's a solid director. You know, oh, yeah. Um, you know, post-training day, which he wrote the screenplay for, you know, Street Kings wasn't a bad crime thriller. Uh, Bright, you know, some people have criticisms about Bright. I like Bright. Bright is cool to me. My only problem with Bright was the whole world building thing is they just didn't know what they were doing with the yeah, world building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my biggest issue with it. Fair uh, enough. Story is just <clears throat> simple, like, cop movie, but the overworld, they kind of just were going, I just don't know what we want to put in and out of this movie. Look, man, as much as I thought this film was solid, there were some, there were some many moments in the plot that maybe you could help me um, that I felt like, what the fuck, man? Like, like, okay, so this whole time they're traveling through through um, New York City or, or well Gotham City to take down the witch, yeah, Kara Devine's character. Yes. Okay, so at some point they come to a building and they realize Viola Davis' character is kind of behind all of this, and she shoots the FBI agents. So I'm like, what? What was the point of arriving at that building when you're trying to take down the witch? Like, what? I don't get it. How'd they end up there on their way to taking care of the witch? Why not just take care of the witch? So that is actually one of the points that a lot of people bring up. That's an issue with the movie. Uh, the like, in the movie explanation for that yeah. is Amanda Waller was trapped in that building and she wanted to be able to get out, but she didn't feel like she could actually leave the building safely. Okay. So she diverted their uh, plan from going after Enchantress and told them, you're still going after Enchantress, but diverted them to go to the building to pick her up so she'd feel safe because then she's surrounded by metahumans and everything while the city is being rampaged by Enchantress. Okay. So, yeah, it's dumb. So it's a bad subplot, and it diverts from the story in a stupid way. Yeah, that, that wasn't needed. It man. doesn't add to her character at all. It just makes her character seem less intimidating while trying to make her seem intimidating by killing off the FBI agents and stuff like that. It's like, 
you're not intimidating at all. You're just coming off as an idiot. Uh, you're coming off as a dick and an idiot. Right. <laughs> and don't get me wrong, man. I think Viola did great with what she was given. You know, you could tell she she really was, you know, putting a lot into her role. Like, her performance was fine given what she had to work with. Yes. But I feel like the character could have been a bit more savvy with, with her, uh, you know, her plotting. Yeah. The, I will say this. Every single actor in this movie gave it their all. I loved every single person that was in this movie. The problem came with the writing and the editing. Those were the two major points that the movie kind of went wrong. And dude, this is what I don't understand. The scene in the subway where Homeboy lets it, like, so, so he's in a romantic relationship with the doctor yes. who is possessed by the witch. I don't understand the subway why he lets her go. Yeah, it's like, why, dude, you know what she can turn into. Why are you goading her on saying, all right, it's okay, you can turn into it now? Like, whoa, whoa. That's basically them being behind the point of why the world is being possessed by this witch right now or about to be eaten up by the witch or destroyed or whatever villains do. Yeah, that just that scene is the epitome of, well, if it didn't happen, then we wouldn't have a movie. Oh, come on. Come on. So, like, yeah. what was the real threat in the beginning before they even let the witch go? I mean, what were, they, what, what were you recruiting the Suicide Squad for? So, before that, when Enchantress was a part of, like, the idea behind the Suicide Squad as mm-hmm. well, is she was originally a, going to be a member in Amanda Waller's book of uh, People. Right. And the idea was this takes place after Batman versus Superman. Superman's dead. And they know that there's threats outside of Earth that know that we're here. Because we've already been uh, introduced to Superman, Zod. Uh, we now have seen... Who is it? Um, I'm trying to remember the name of the one person that showed up at the very end of Batman vs. Superman. Um, that I'm totally blanking on the name. The monster. Me. It's been a while since I watched it. Yeah. Doomsday? Doomsday. That's who it okay, is. Okay, there you go. So... They kind of already go, we have threats out there. We just lost our biggest, like, savior who we still couldn't control at all. And we're left with, you know, nothing. So we should build a team as a government that can stand up against these. Because who's to say that Batman doesn't go rogue? Who's to say that the Flash is even on our side? Right, right. And we have this dude that apparently is underwater and brings fish to communities and can control the oceans. We know nothing else about him. What's to say he doesn't destroy, decide to destroy a city tomorrow? We need to have a defense team. Okay, okay, so that makes sense. That's the idea behind putting the team together. Okay. And then, of course, everything with Enchantress goes wrong, where she steals her heart back, and she's not controllable, and then she but goes what? out on a rampage against them because Amanda Waller was trying to control her the entire time. But why did he let her go? There's I, I, no... There's no explanation. There's no that. explanation about that one. Okay, yeah, this movie is a mess. Uh, it's a it's a it's a nice to look at mess, but it was a mess. Yeah. Well, the parts that you can see, there's so many parts where they just like turned off the lights and we're like, okay, we're gonna add cartoony sound effects, and every once in a while we'll flash an image of what's going on. Yeah. Uh, especially when they're fighting like the CG monsters, it's like they ran out of budget for some of the CG, and they're like, well, we can do quick flashes, and maybe people won't realize it looks bad. Or if we do it all in the dark, maybe people won't, you know, think about it too much. So it's those are the kind of things that when it comes down to the movie and why it's bad, it comes down to the editing and it comes down to some of the writing. Yeah. And the characters I absolutely love. I would want to see these characters kind of move on to other kind of movies and stuff like that. Like Harley Quinn, loved her. Deadshot, absolutely love Will Smith in that role. I loved Killer Croc. I even liked Captain Boomerang because he just had that kind of, I, I'm going to follow your rules, but I'm going to follow them my way kind of tone to him, which is how Boomerang, he is in the comics. Boomerang was annoying, dude. I feel like we, we, we didn't need him. I could have took Slipknot over Boomerang. Um, he was annoying to me. But I, I, Killer Croc, I feel like I don't want to see a standalone film with him because I kind of just want him to be free and no, all his I want own. him to be in like team-up movies. Cause it's like it was so they were they were about to go in the water. I got this. And then he draw he swims in the water. I'm like that's his only power. He just he just likes being in sewers. Uh, he's also very strong. He's yeah. 
he's just very strong and he has the ability to like breathe underwater and stuff. Listen, man, I'm gonna say it, man. This was the Dollar Tree Avengers. Oh, 100%. This is the back of the Dollar Tree store where they got the expired items. I'm not talking about Dollar Tree. We're not we're not we're not clowning the Dollar Tree Corporation. I'm just talking talking stuff. But this is this is the section of the store where the expired items are pushed all the way in the back. The 50 cent area in the right. dollar store. <laughs> Dude, this, this, that, that's what this is, man. Yeah, it's definitely... It, a lot of fans were hyped for it, and what we got was not what we wanted. and Which is one of the reasons why when James Gunn took over for the sequel, now everybody's hyped up again for the Suicide Squad. Well, we don't know. That might end up being some BS, too, because David Ayer isn't a bad filmmaker. Right. James Gunn isn't a bad filmmaker, but you know when studios get involved and they change stuff up. I mean, look. Dark- I have a feeling with James Gunn, he's going to have a lot more control over this one because when he got fired from Disney, uh, DC called him that same day. Yeah, I and know. And was I like, know. "We want to get you in to make a movie for us," and he went, "Suicide Squad." I'd make a Suicide Squad movie, and they were like, "Yeah, okay." So I have to believe if he goes, "Oh no, 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 no." You're not changing this part. This is how I want it. Remember, Guardians of the Galaxy, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, those movies you were trying to copy with the last one, how it didn't work out. Yeah, let right. me do my thing. I hope he gets that freedom. You oh, know, yeah. He, Lord knows he deserves it. Been in the game a long time. Um, yeah, man. But, uh, okay, so what we want to do out of five or out of ten? Uh, I would say out of ten, this one is a six for me. Okay. Uh, I say out of five, I give it a hard, hard, maybe three, but uh, so soft, same thing out of six out of ten, basically s- soft two point five, yeah, easy two point five. Uh, yeah, I, I, the movie was good. I was glad I watched it. I was glad I saw it. Um, I won't watch it again. Yeah, I have no need to. <laughs> That's fair. I might watch the. I, I don't even think I'll watch the extended cut. I don't even know if I want to get into that. See, I don't think I think they did release a slightly extended cut of it. No, but I mean if David Ayer's version ever comes out, I don't, oh, okay. I don't even know if I want to see that. See, that one I might be interested enough to check it out, but mm-hmm. it wouldn't be like the day it releases. I'd be like running to the store to pick it up. It'd right. be like down the road, somebody'd be like, "Oh yeah, I have this. Huh, can I borrow it? Yeah, here you go." That that'd be it. I just happened to come across the stream on my computer, and it was just there, so I just decided to just watch it. (laughs) Right, right. Uh, Okay, two point five out of five. Now let's get to the to the real, uh, actually better portion of this episode. Yes. Um, Birds of Prey and the uh, fabulous emancipation of Harley Quinn, which the second part of that title does not exist anymore. Yeah, it's been changed to Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey. I thought it was just Birds of Prey now. Oh, did they change it a third time? <laughs> I just saw birds playing in in in, oh, that in, might... in the showtime. Because I remember when it came out, it was uh, Birds of Prey and the Emancipation of One Fantabulous Harley Quinn. There it is. Then they changed it to Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey. So if they changed it to just Birds of Prey now, that's absolutely hilarious. Wow. Because the problem was is they thought, oh, people aren't seeing it because they think it's you know. Harley Quinn's just a side story in it, and it's really about the birds of prey. So we got to put Harley Quinn's name at the beginning of it and let them know that it's about Harley Quinn and the birds of prey are kind of a secondary thing, which is more how the movie is. It's not really a birds of prey movie. It's a Harley Quinn movie with the birds of prey kind of cameoing in. Man, let me tell you something, man. When we go on the scale of superhero films, um, we all know the rules here. Live action films, Marvel, they got it. They oh, got yeah. it. Cartoons. It took them a little bit. Phase one is a little sketchy besides Iron Man and Avengers. Mm-hmm. But phase two, they started getting their footing a little bit. Phase right. three, they've been skyrocketing off. They figured it out by phase three. Yeah. When it comes to animated films, we know DC got it. Oh, they, 100%. They, they got it. Um, TV shows, it's a toss-up, but DC has more uh, ground on that one than Marvel. Um, the CW shows. Yeah, 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 yeah. The CW shows. It helps that all those shows are under one blanket of uh, same like kind of director and screenwriter team for most of them. Okay. So that one helps a lot with DC. With the Marvel ones, you have Cloak and Dagger written by a different team. Then you have Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Then you have Runaways. Then you have, I'm forgetting one, Inhumans. All different teams, and they're kind of going, well, we're going to blanket them into the 
So I'm kind of hoping Marvel gets a better footing with Disney Plus and with uh, Kevin Feige kind of overheading everything now. They were on to something with the with the Netflix thing where they had those four shows under yes. each other. Then it led up to the Defenders. They were on to something. Yeah, Daredevil. Uh, let's see, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, Jessica Jones. Yeah, they were they were going somewhere with it, but it sadly fizzled out with Defenders just not doing too well. Okay. It, like they didn't know how to do a team up for that one. Well, look, I say all this to say, as a DC film, Harley Quinn uh, and the Birds of Prey, uh, or whatever you want to call it, we'll call it Birds of Prey from the rest of this episode. It's a knockout, yeah. man. Oh yeah, it was a knockout film. It's uh, one of the better films from DC by far. Definitely, man. Definitely. You know, so I just love the way this. Um, I love the way the nar- this narrative was made. It's very a not. It's a very nonlinear story. Whereas, like the last thirty minutes is a straight, straightforward uh, narrative, straightforward linear narrative. It, yes, I love how it jumps time. Like you, you go from the time where Harley Quinn first comes into the police station, you know, hitting people with beanbags and stuff, and it's a full twenty minutes before we come back to that moment, yep. or even come back to the moment where she was caught in the alleyway and she was like, "Parlay," yeah. you know. Like I just love the way they weaved this narrative and, and kept and kept us with it, you know, kept us engaged. Yeah, it has a very like Deadpool effect to its like editing style, where there's yeah. only really two major action scenes, but because the way that they split the movie up with the whole like diverting to different paths and storylines and going back from the present to the past and everything like that, mm-hmm. you don't really realize that there's only really two big action scenes in the whole entire movie. Dude, I thought this was a great showcase for Margot Robbie, man. She knocked this out of the oh, park. Oh, 100%. Man. Like, like this, this is a uh... like. I love her in a lot of movies, but I gotta say, this is probably like my top like three movies with her now. I ain't gonna say this is this is Oscar worthy, but no, 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 I, no. I'd not say anywhere near. But Golden Globe, maybe, maybe. Yeah, it's definitely not in the Razzies. Oh no, of course that's not. for sure. No, this is way better. Like than I that. know Suicide Squad was in the Razzies oh. and stuff. This but. was a committed uh, performance, lead performance from her, and um, I loved uh, bringing the character of Harley Quinn and making her emancipated. You know, I hear like the animated series is good too. But what's what's your impression of this film? Like, tell me what you love about it. Uh, absolutely, my favorite part of it was mm-hmm. Huntress. I wish that we had more of her in it because her story was the most interesting because it was, it was the most tied into everything that was going on in the movie. Yeah. And it kind of leads to that scene from the original trailer, which I wish wasn't in the original trailer. I wish we just ran into that naturally. She was like, this guy killed your family. You stole from this guy. You used to work for this guy. and This oh, guy yeah. hates me. Like, I wish that wasn't in the trailer. I wish we just would have ran into that scene where the film tells you, you see how this all comes together. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It would have been way more rewarding. Um, but that's ju- one of the few scenes that all of them are together in the same scene. Yeah, yeah. So they kind of had to throw that into the trailer to kind of show, yeah, look, they are together. We, we promise you that. They do right. team up at some point. Um, I liked Rosie Perez. I thought she was cool. Journey Smollett was cool. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I felt about the kid. Uh, oh, Cassandra Kane. I think that's her name, yeah. Yeah, that that was her name in the movie. Yeah, yeah. I don't uh, know how I felt about her. I felt like, she's all right. They, so when they originally said that Cassandra Kane was going to be in, I'm going to show my comic book nerdum right here. Go ahead. Uh, she free. is one of the people that takes on the Batgirl moniker for a little bit. Okay. So she is a very, like, highly, like, skilled, like, uh, kind of fighter and everything like that. And we didn't get that in this movie yeah, at all. She was a pickpocketer. Yeah, she was a pickpocket. She was just a kid. Uh, I kind of want to see where they go with her character in the future and everything like that, if she even returns at all. Uh, it's very possible that this is going to be her only appearance. Like, she might not get any more development pa- past this movie. Okay. Um, so her character was a little bit disappointing on both the comic book level and in the movie where she was just kind of there and annoying and kind of there for, like, comedic effect of, you know, different scenes. This was a weird role for Ellen McGregor. And I usually like Ellen McGregor. I liked him in this movie, too. And I, I really liked Chris Messina. Uh, this was a weird role, but I think he was... I, I feel like he was kind of... Um, not out of his element, but out of a, out of his comfort zone. But to a, uh, to, a benefic- to, to a beneficial effect. What do you think? I, I, 
absolutely loved him in this movie. I yeah, thought yeah, he did a fantastic job. He pulled off like the bipolar kind of like feeling of the character perfectly, right, where right. he would constantly flip on his attitude toward things. And Ewan McGregor is one of those actors. I think we kind of talked about it in the Nick Cage episode where when you have that actor go into different roles after like that pinnacle role, you keep seeing them as that character no mm-hmm. matter what. And Ewan McGregor is one of those people for me where no matter what he's in, I always see Obi-Wan Kenobi. Oh, I, I, I thought and she was going to say something else. Uh, you're referencing Obi? Yeah. Eh, I don't think that's his signature role to me. For me, that's what I always see when I see him. Okay, okay. And I'm not saying that's his like signature like best role in any movie, but that's the one that whenever I hear Ewan McGregor, I think, oh, Obi-Wan. He plays the hero a lot. He does. Yeah. So throughout this movie, at the very beginning, I saw him, and my first thought was, oh, yeah, Obi-Wan. I didn't have that thought about like 10 minutes into the film anymore, though. Yeah. It, he went right into that role of playing Black Mask, and just dived right into it and melded into that character. It mm. didn't feel like he was trying to be somebody else. He felt like he was that character. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, so what you think of... Um, so we, we basically talked about the plot, um, characters. Uh, so I like... I didn't... So me being not being a huge comic book fan of Birds of Prey or Harley Quinn... I liked seeing how the Birds of Prey all fit together in the end because I didn't know why it was called that. I was like, oh, I think they're all just Birds of Prey. It's a metaphor. But, oh, they called themselves Birds of Prey in the end. I like that. I thought that was cute. Which all of those are like frequent members of the Birds of Prey. It's another kind of team that kind of swaps out people like every other superhero team. But Huntress, Black Canary are basically two standards for the team for the most part. Uh, White Canary is usually another standard, but she didn't make an appearance in this movie at all. Yeah. Um, I don't know how I felt about the Canary Black Mask dynamic, though. I felt that was a little weird. Oh, her being his singer and then moving up to like his kind of uh, driver and stuff like that. Yeah, that that was a little, uh, little odd. I mean, I felt like there was a there was a chemistry that was supposed to be had there. I feel like that was a scrapped subplot line. Mm-hmm. I feel like he it should have been a little more brutal. Like like maybe like um like I figured like she would be like uh for for a while he was obsessed with her, you know, maybe like uh maybe like like, like sexually or something like that, but it was more so no, you're just one of my people. It seemed like he had more of a relationship with Chris Messina on 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 a, you know, hinted sexual level. Oh yeah. Yeah, that was hinted at. But uh, oh, which he played that role absolutely perfectly. Oh yeah, he well. was great. He was great. Uh, I was surprised by Chris Messina. I usually don't see him in a role like that. Yeah, he definitely went out of his box of like normal casting for this mm-hmm. one, and he knocked it out of the park. Like he came off as actually kind of like terrifying and psychotic, like purely psychotic. Do you feel like people were so hurt by Suicide Squad that they decided nope? Not again, and didn't go see this. I think it's more. It was Batman versus Superman, then Suicide Squad, oh. and then it was Justice League. Yeah, Justice League. Then it was this one. So, because even Shazam, which was another great DC movie, yeah, uh, that one just didn't do great box office wise until a little bit later into its run and. Birds of Prey really hasn't gotten that chance of, like, that boost. Because Shazam had, like, a mediocre opening, and then it kind of dwindled down, and then it started getting back up in the numbers after, like, people started talking about it a little bit more and kind of going, oh, yeah, this is actually a good DC movie. Go yeah. see it. Okay. Um, I feel like DC is trying hard, and I, and I see the effort. I'm like that teacher who sees that student who you know they didn't they didn't give a shit in the beginning they just were like the the rich kid uh, in yeah. the class and he's like I'm just here so I can you know get my dad's trust when he dies. Basically, <laughs> but, they were the guy that brings the pizza to the group meeting. Here's my contribution. Right, and then finally when they put in a little effort, like you know what, maybe maybe, maybe I do want, maybe I do like John Steinbeck. Maybe I will read the Grapes of Wrath, and maybe I will write a compelling essay. But when they start showing work, it's too late. You know the 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 college. Um, reps have come already. You're yeah. in junior year, and you're now you're just making your grades up. I don't think it's too late for DC. I see what they're doing. You know what I mean? Maybe they, they can go to community college. You know what I mean? They I'm, definitely have an ability because uh, 
Aquaman was the first one to hit one billion. So well deserved. Yes, absolutely. Shazam was good. Harley Quinn is good. You have the Suicide Squad coming up, which is going to be directed by James Gunn, which there's a lot of hype behind that one, both from people that dislike Suicide Squad and, you know, the few people that kind of liked it. Uh, Even, like, basically everybody that loved Guardians of the Galaxy is keeping watch for the Suicide Squad now. Yeah, I got to... That's a a whole other topic for another day as as far as Guardians. But, yeah, I I hear what you're saying. Well, I'm um, saying that there's an entire fan base that no, 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 really I could care less about DC movies that are kind of going, oh, this is another like team up movie by James Gunn that would t- comes out between Guardians Two and Guardians Three. Yeah. yeah, I need something to kind of tide me over until Guardians Three. Yeah, they're I'll following go see him. it. Yeah, they're following him, and they they should. He's a, he's a like I said, a solid director. Yeah, I can um, say that's probably been one of the smartest decisions that WB has made for like the DC kind of lineup of movies is. As soon as James Gunn became available for directing, they called him the same day. Dude, that was the most boss move since J.J. Abrams directing both uh, Star Wars Episode Seven and uh, uh, Star Trek. And Star Trek. Yeah, it's like you know, you know, you the man, dog. <laughs> you're now directing the sequel to the movie that tried to copy what you did successfully. Right, right. As well as going back to that original series that made it so successful. As soon as he stepped into Star Trek, he says, "How can we make this like Star Wars?" Pretty much, yeah. and it worked. It worked. Um, it worked for people that wanted a Star Wars movie. A lot of Star Trek fans still are not a fan of. Oh I mean, yeah, it's the same shit. I mean, come on now, let's stop this. It's, it's the same thing. It, it, it kind of, sort of. The vibe is it's in space, and it's a it's a space opera. It's the same same thing. I, I disagree with you, but I think that's well, a look, different look, day. When we, when we when we get to nuances, of course not. Okay, you know, we got characters, we got plot and stuff like that. But as far as being a space opera. I really mean, if you difference? boil it down to, like, just the genre, yeah, it's the same, but it, once you actually get into it, yeah, Star Wars and Star Trek are two completely separate things. I know that. I know that. There's yeah. Anakin, and then there's Spock and Kirk. I get it. But well, I mean, even in, like, tone of everything and everything like that. Hmm. Maybe. Maybe. It's another topic for another That's day. That's another topic for another day. Hey, hey. That might be a two-hour special. All you guys out there on social <laughs> media, don't come for me. I'm just I'm just looking at it from the outside looking in. I am more of a uh, a Wookiee anyway, but, you know, it's another topic, another day. Um, I enjoy both, so I can do the good and the bad on both sides. <laughs> Star Trek has had some, has had some pretty uh, good-looking uh, uh, reboot series lately, you know, with, with Picard and uh, Discovery. I haven't seen those two yet. Uh, they, they, I need to. I heard the writing's good. It looks good. Uh, I might check them out one day. But um, for as, as far as DC goes, let's just take a minute because I don't think it got its appreciation as much. Aquaman was gorgeous. That movie. It's a gorgeous movie. I am 100% convinced you could pause that movie at any given point and have like a perfect desktop wallpaper. Yeah. It is beautiful. Anytime the they're like going awesome. through the city, anytime they're going underwater and doing stuff. I can say my only issue with the movie is they started getting into a uh, one, two, three step process for everything. Mm-hmm. Exposition, explosion, run away. Exposition, explosion, run away. Yeah, that, the action was nonstop. That, yeah. that was one thing. It was nonstop. Uh, that's both a good thing and a bad thing because it got a little tiring after a while. But yeah. James Wan did his thing, man. And um, yeah, I, I loved it, man. I thought it was a beautiful film. Which I I think he's still directing the movie based on the trenches, which is the uh, deep sea creatures from the part of the movie when they were uh, like on the ship and they started like going on the ship and they had mm-hmm. to like go down below the sea to kind of get away from them. I think he's still doing that, which is James Wan is a great horror director. He is. So giving him like the trenches, which is like the horrific kind of like monsters of the deep sea. I'm excited for that movie. I am 100% behind that movie. I don't care how it turns out. That movie is probably going to end up getting its kind of cult following outside of DC fans and inside DC fans. We can go even to a further side note. You notice some directors out here are kind of auditioning with some films. Like you see it with James Wan. He auditioned for Aquaman through Fast and Furious. Did he? No, no, I'm saying, but I'm saying like, at, like, like I'm being like, it's kind of, oh, kind of like a feeling of like it. a feeling, like yeah. he can do this movie, maybe he can do this film, 
You know what I mean? Like, you take the, the directors who you wouldn't dare think could do something like this. Like, Peter Jackson came from Meet the Feebles yeah. to making Lord of the Rings. Eli Roth, um, who came from Hostel, did Death Wish, uh, proved that he could make a big-budget movie like that. Mm-hmm. It was like, I, don't, I think this movie was before. The House with a Clock in Its Walls. The, you know, the, the family film he made yeah. with Jack Black and them, you wouldn't expect Eli Roth's name to be attached to that. But some directors, they, they show that they have range by going outside the box. Oh, yeah. It, especially uh, when they're actually given a chance to get one of these big things. Yeah. Like, going back to James Gunn, he pitched Guardians of the Galaxy to Marvel. Mm-hmm. It originally wasn't on the plan or I the didn't know that. for anything. Yeah. So he pitched it to Marvel and went, I want to make this movie... I wrote an entire script for it already. It's all here, everything like that. I'm a huge fan of the comics. I love these characters. I want to do this movie. That's awesome. And they originally went, okay, you're approved. And then he was fighting with Marvel every step of the way to keep the script exactly how he wanted it. Mm. And same with like the songs. Like That was a huge thing. Uh, if you ever watch like the commentary track from Guardians of the Galaxy or Guardians of the Galaxy 2, I can't remember which he mentions it, but he apparently would be months in to the movie's like uh, post-production and fighting with Marvel going, no, no, we're going to put this song here. This song goes here. I don't care. I'll sit in this meeting room with you until you agree with me. This song goes here. You know, I don't care how long it takes. We can post. We can pause all post-production until you agree with me. This song goes here. And, of course, everybody remembers Guardians of the Galaxy for the soundtrack. The first one, yeah. Yeah. And he fought so hard to make sure that those songs that he picked were the songs that went into that movie and everything. And everybody loves it. So mm. there are those directors that do fight for that role, and then when they break through it, it manages to like give them a name and a presence that they didn't have before. You gotta appreciate that kind of fight and that integrity right there, man. Oh yeah, because we wouldn't we wouldn't have the film that we had. You know, I, I appreciate directors like James Gunn and Ryan Coogler and people who, uh, who Guillermo del Toro is notorious for that. Really, pretty much going. We're gonna make the movie this way. Well, we want to make this other way. Okay, well, find another director, or I'll talk to you in five years. And that uh, <laughs> in five years, basically. Mm. Uh, I'm trying to remember which movie it was. I want to say, like, Hellboy. Was it Pacific Rim? You didn't need to fight for that that much. <laughs> uh, the first one was amazing. Come on, man. Oh, I loved it. I love kaiju it, movies, it was, it was good to look at. I'll give it that. It was good to look at, but looking back, it wasn't amazing. I want to say Hellboy was one of the ones he fought the most for with getting... Uh, that makes sense. ...the lead actor uh, hired onto that one. I'm trying to remember who it Ron was. Perlman. Ron Perlman. Yeah. Uh, he pretty much pitched the movie going, I want Ron Perlman in this role. And they were like, we don't want Ron Perlman. And he went, okay, cool. Talk to you in two years. Hey, you ready to do that Hellboy movie now? Ron Perlman. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, so he's another one of those directors that goes, I have a vision, and if you don't want to make it to my vision, I don't want to be attached to it. Uh, well, look, Edgar he, Wright is another notorious one for that, too. Well, look, all these guys have the goods to, to make the demands they make. Oh, yeah. They know what they're doing. Um, but to, to bring it back full circle, man, uh, Birds of Prey, uh, four out of five for me. I, I'd agree 100% with that one. I give it a strong four out of five. As far as superhero films go, I, I wouldn't say top 10, uh, maybe top 15. It's not award worthy, but yeah. it's definitely up there. It's, it's up there. It's up there. It, it definitely makes me go, if they make a sequel to it, I'm going to see that sequel. Uh, what I I mean I like Harley Quinn I don't know if I need a second film with Harley Quinn see I'm thinking more of a Birds of Prey movie with okay fair uh, enough fair enough Huntress and uh, Black Canary probably add in somebody else maybe introduce White Canary in that one finally and then the one cop I can't remember her name right now is White Canary white Uh, she basically just has a white suit so, okay. <laughs> uh, in the comics, what she is is she was the original Black Canary. She died and got brought back to life with the Lazarus Pith, which so, is like kind of a pool of water that can bring anybody back from the dead. And because there's already a Black Canary, she kind of dons a white suit. So they pulled a Gandalf. Pretty much, yeah. Okay. She's the Gandalf of the DC universe. Okay, fair enough. Uh, fair enough. 
So because she couldn't be Black Canary anymore because there was already a Black Canary that replaced her, she took on a new moniker, and that was White Canary. Yeah, man. Uh, sometimes this is way this is the way the cards uh, fall, man. Sometimes it's the better movie that doesn't get as much people going to see it. Yeah. Well, if the original was bad and it has like a lineup of movies afterwards that are bad, yeah, people don't they kind of lose faith in seeing those movies. Now, look, also, there's a huge like superhero burnout in like general audience right now. I don't know, man. When that Marvel film tr- drops, people go to see it. I, I believe Black Widow is going to be packed. Like, regardless of who the hero is, they're going to see it. I, I'm a little skeptical. I, I 100% guarantee it's going to hit good numbers and stuff, but I'm yeah. curious to see, like, how good those numbers are going to be general audience-wise versus, like, comic book fan-wise. Fair enough. Because um, a lot of people, like, watched Infinity War without seeing some of the other Marvel movies, and they watched Endgame without seeing some of the other Marvel movies. Yeah. And... You know, you had those big movies that everybody's going to go see. Like, whatever Avengers 5 ends up being, it's going to break box office records again. Guaranteed. Doesn't matter when it comes out, who's in it, what. It's going to break those records. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. We'll see how, you know, Black Widow, Eternals, Shang-Chi. Like, I want these movies to succeed, but I there is definitely a burnout. New Mutants as well. Well, that one, I'm surprised that's even coming to theaters Look, at this man, point. Ever since we had the Brian Singer run of X-Men, they've been trying to follow that trend. I think everybody needs to calm down, reassess why those films were successful, because they, they had a good comeback with Days of Future Past. Let's not lie about it. It was mm-hmm. a great X-Men film. Uh, First Class was solid. You know, we don't talk about Apocalypse, but um, people need to slow down on X-Men, dude. Like, take a breath. Figure out why these other things work. Figure out oh, yeah. why Legion works. Yeah. Too you many know. people are trying to like push, oh man, we need the X-Men in the MCU. No, 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 no. Just slow Calm down. down. Slow down. Let let Kevin Feige do his thing. Right, right. Introduce them slowly as he sees fit. We already have Scarlet Witch, who is technically one of the X-Men in, so we can easily use her as like the intro gate for the others. It mm-hmm. just let it slide let deadpool 3 come out and kind of introduce a s- slow slide into the mcu decide where who's coming back from fox's you know universe and everything like that and go easy with it we don't need 15 x-men movies in 2022 yeah you know? okay man uh moving past the main argument here uh i got two things i want to want to bring up you know uh one What's your favorite uh, superhero film? And two, what what films have you seen lately? Just copping off, capping off recent films we've seen that we want to recommend to the audience. Uh, what's your favorite superhero film, man? Favorite superhero film by far, hands down, Spider Man Two. Dude, you took mine. <laughs> you took mine, dude. Oh man, everything about that movie, the ending, it, go go get him, Tiger, Doc yeah. Ock. Oh man, that movie's so great. It's it's the perfect sequel. It is. It is absolutely the perfect sequel. And I've done this debate with other people on other podcasts before whoa, where they're whoa. like, what are you talking about? That movie was good, but it w- no, no, no. It's the perfect. It brings you from where the character ended at the first one and continued with that storyline. It also added new dimensions to where he was going with him all of a sudden kind of going, well, I have to kind of balance superhero with being a normal person and having trouble with that then he actually has connections to the villain in a way that are substantial with him being like a, almost a mentor to him mm-hmm. and like a hero to him. And he's seeing him fall down and he's like, has that whole crisis of do I fight him? Do I save him? What can I do? Where do I stand as yeah. a hero? Yeah. And it's just so good. And it follows comic book logic to the T it makes it easy enough to explain to general audiences I absolutely love that movie with a passion. Yeah, I, I it, for me, it's nostalgia. When my dad took me to see that movie, I was just all in from again. And I remember in the end when Mary Jane said, go get him, Tiger, mm-hmm. uh, when she appeared in her wedding dress in the living room, the audience clapped, man. Oh, yeah. The audience clapped like, yay, he's Spider-Man again. Uh, yeah, so this is a great movie, man. Now, best sequel ever dude you beat hard pressed now look i got more favoritism towards spider-man too i wouldn't say best sequel ever but the perfect example of a perfect sequel okay so you have like uh 
the Empire Strikes Back, everybody goes, yeah, that's the perfect way to continue on after A New Hope. So on the scale of you know, like, um, uh, comparing this with The Dark Knight, you think it's more perfect than The Dark Knight as a sequel? I do. Whoa. I, I absolutely Whoa. do. I don't know about that one, man. <laughs> the Dark Knight improved on every single thing that, that, that was shown in Batman Begins. I 100% agree with that. Both absolutely great kind of sequels to a movie. Yes. Great middle ground for a trilogy that kind of fizzled off at the end. Uh, well, great See, high point for a trilogy. That's that's another discussion because I like The Dark Knight Rises. That's another discussion. Okay. Okay. But okay. Yeah, I, I gotta say, favorite superhero movie by far, without question, Superman two or not Spider Man two. Spider Man two. I agree. I agree. That, that my same answer right there. Uh, what have you seen lately, man? I've seen a few good movies. I'm trying to think of what I have actually caught lately. I've been mostly catching up on TV. I've been watching a lot of catching up on the show Kidding. Oh, you're still watching Kidding, huh? Oh, I love that show. Uh, the I, Jim I, Carrey one, yeah. I will check into it eventually, but you know you got you got to tap into Legion at some point. It, it's gonna happen soon. Yeah, I, I got to like you. You will like that. Yeah, I'm trying to think of what movies I've recently seen. I finally picked up Jojo Rabbit on Blu-ray. Oh, oh, you rented it? Bought it. Oh, you bought it? Oh, Taika Waititi movie? Yeah, I'll buy it. 100%. Oh, okay. You 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 diehard Ta- uh, Taika Waititi fan? Oh, yeah. I love Taika Waititi. Uh, into our What We Do in the Shadows. You like the show? Uh, I've seen a couple episodes of the show, and I enjoy it. I have to catch up on the rest of it. I think they're done with the first season now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't finished it yet, though. Okay. But yeah, I, mean, I do like where they're going with the show where it's a whole different cast and everything like that and you have like a different interpretation of like the daywalker kind of vampire and stuff like the guy in the office that sucks energy from everybody else and he, like I love that kind of humor. I I I mean I've been meaning to get into him, you know. I don't know if I want to start with Jojo Rabbit because it looks so and I don't I don't know him like that. He he might have a, a tricks off his sleeve once you watch the film, but it looks a little pandering. Have you seen his other movies before? No. Uh, definitely start with what we do in the shadows. If you like okay. that, you can start going into his other movies. He seems like an interesting and, guy. I've seen interviews. You know, oh yeah, I want to check him out. Um, but look, man, uh, throwback to the first episode. I saw two Nick Cage films, dude. Really? Which look, ones? So look, man, the first one I saw, Color Out of Space. Um, it's a recent one. It's a it's a it's a B horror film, and okay. dude, just as great as Mandy. Like um, the the man who made it is an interesting story behind him, Richard Stanley. He was originally supposed to make The Island of Dr. Maru with Val Kilmer and Marlo, Marlon Brando. It's an old mm-hmm. 90s film. Yeah. Uh, he signed on as director, but when they started filming, he had creative differences with the studio and he kind of like left. And then he got re- replaced by, I think, John Frankenheimer or something like that. And the movie just went to shit because... Brando wanted to work with Richard Stanley. And because Stanley was gone, Brando kind of acted a fool on set. Okay. And the movie kind of, you know, tanked naturally. Huh. And Richard Stanley came back on set secretly as an ex- as an extra. Okay. Like in costume. Yeah. And nobody knew. <laughs> so he's he's a, he's a, he's a weird he's a weird individual. But um look man, him and Nick Cage um collaborating on this film which is a modern day retelling of a uh HP Lovecraft story. A great movie, man. Is it on the streaming or? It's on it? streaming. It's on streaming. Um, okay. uh, it was in theaters for a minute. It was at the main art theater in Royal Oak, Michigan. Shout out to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, now it's on streaming. I, I'd say it's worth your time, man. I, I've all had to check it out. You get a little bit of batshit crazy cage, but you get mostly serious family man cage. Okay. But when the batshit crazy comes out, there's an excuse for it. Okay. So you have Nick Cage being Nick Cage, but you also have like. Uh, was it National Treasure kind of Nick Cage in there? There's a reasonable buildup from from the from the sensible Nick Cage to the crazy Nick Cage. Okay. There, 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 there's a sensible transition of why he turns into that. Very good film, man. And I saw another one called um, Dark of the Light, uh, Dying of the Light by Paul Schrader. But I saw his director's cut because I got another story about this. You know, um, so if you know, Dying of the Light is about a CIA agent played by Nicolas Cage who learns that a man that once um, tortured him, who he thought was dead, is still alive. So he has to go to the, um, I think he has to travel to the Middle East where Anton Yelchin, rest in peace, to find him, track him, and kill him. But he also has dementia, too. Huh. 
It's an interesting movie. Uh, however, the theatrical... It's a little bit of a memento feeling to it. A little bit. But uh, the theatrical cut, um, they kind of took out a lot of, of how uh, Paul Schrader edited it and stuff. And they kind of just... They took away his creative freedom post-production. Mm-hmm. So Paul Schrader went out and created his own cut, working from like um, work print tapes and all that. And um, he released it as a torrent. Okay. <laughs> so he basically went around the studio to release his own cut of the right, movie. Right, right. This is Paul Strader we're talking about yeah. here. He wrote Taxi Driver and Raging Bull. Um, yeah, the same guy that said, I won't see Joker because I don't need to see something that's a copy of what I already made. <laughs> I mean, that is facts. It is. Joker is king of comedy meets Taxi Driver. Uh, still a good movie. But uh, yeah, so this film, this film, this cut is called Dark. Um, so I checked this out, and it's it's much shorter than the original film, but I I liked it, man. The rapid editing, it, it's 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 raw fi- movie making, but it's good raw movie making. Okay. And again, you get a little bit of a crazy Nick Cage, but there, there's a reason. When did that one come out, or when did he come out with his director's cut version of it? That was in 2018 when he came out with his, but the original film came out a little earlier. I want to say 2017 or 16. Okay. Yeah, so I recommend those. Um, so the director's, the completely legal director's cut of that movie is the much better one to watch. Uh, fairly legal. You know, I mean, <laughs> he, he makes no bones about it. He tells you where it is. But, uh, right. uh, yeah, that's 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 floating about, and it's, it's, it's actually good. I never saw the original, but I'm glad with the cut I saw. Because okay. I, lo- I looked up the synopsis uh, on Wikipedia, and, uh, yeah, his cut is better. His cut is way better. I'll have to check that one out. That one shouldn't be too hard to find, then, if he's especially advertising exactly where to find it. Right, right. And he says, this isn't for um, um, this isn't for commerce. Uh, it's for historical uh, record. I'm like... Oh, so is that how he's getting around, like... That's how he's saying. He said, this is, this is for historical record. Because <laughs> I believe um, at, there, there's a facility in California where you can rent the film to watch and bring it back. Like the original, like version that he had made or the theatrical version the original version he had made okay yeah so i recommend those two films um i'm probably gonna go see the invisible man sometime this weekend i like lee winnell mm-hmm. who made it you know upgrade was a great movie dead silence yes. the original saw uh I'm, I'm looking forward to it man i love elizabeth moss what you gonna go see right now um, I have actually heard good things about The Invisible Man, so I've kind of been intrigued to kind of see that one a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, beyond that, for in theaters right now, uh, the only other movie that kind of has my attention is the new Pixar movie, Onward, a little bit. I don't know, man. I, I'm not that geeked for that one. Really? I'm more geeked for Soul than Onward. See, the problem with Soul is we only have that one trailer for it. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of still curious where that movie is kind of going to go. I like the mystery behind Soul. Um, Onward looks, it looks cool. It looks like a family brotherly type of movie, but it doesn't, it does. I I think of that movie like I think of Brave. When I saw the full trailer for Brave, I was like, okay, Scottish language who uh, talks like this. I don't want to hear that for a whole film. Sometimes I do, but sometimes I don't. So I was kind of put off by Brave, and it kind of looked like How to Catch a Dragon Without the Dragon. Yeah, a little bit. It kind of has that like uh, fantasy kind of theme to it. I don't know if I'll see that one in theaters or wait until Blu-ray, but that's kind of the only thing that I can think of in theaters right now, aside from Invisible Man. That I'm, I'm going to catch it. Looking at. I'm going to catch it. I'll, I'll catch it eventually. Yeah. I'm trying to think. What else is actually in theaters right now? Dude, it's been a slow time, man. It's yeah. a slow time. Like the films we did anticipate that came out, they were like, "All right, I saw Uncut Gems." Um, Endgame spoiled us, man. That was the main yeah. event. That was the main event. Like I was looking forward to Midsummer and Uncut Gems, but I still had that Endgame incitement within me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that was an event. Uh, I don't know if we're gonna get another event like that. That was Titanic level. Uh. On that, le- yeah, no. I think Endgame was the pinnacle of what we'll see in theaters. Yeah. Like, that did. Like, Avatar had a lot of hype. I remember it did, but I... Avatar just had a long running span where a lot of people were going to see it yeah. for a long period of time. Endgame was a huge amount of people anticipating it from the get-go. Dude, there were people at the premiere of Endgame who were bootlegging in the theater, and it was already um, allegedly uploaded to sites where they got, you know... 
Oh like yeah, when it stuff. came out in China, there were already uploads like an hour after the first showing finished. I'm like, y'all doing too much. Yeah, y'all are doing too much. It was a paranoia too. There was a level of paranoia where I had to see that film that opening week oh, because yeah. I was going to a concert and I didn't want to overhear somebody go, um, "Oh yeah, yeah man, Iron spoilers. Man died." Like, what the? F-? You know what yeah. I mean? Because I remember I went to a concert that weekend. And um, I was talking with my friend, like, yo, did you see Endgame? Endgame is so awesome. Somebody next to me, don't say anything, please. <laughs> please. I was like, okay, I'm sorry. I won't say nothing. See, I talk with a lot of people that are, like, nerds and go to see these movies at the same right. time. So, yeah, I knew that I needed to see it right away or else that movie was going to be spoiled for me in just random conversation accidentally. Yeah. You know? Like, I know that somebody would have just blurted out, oh, man, the fat Thor was great. It's like, God damn, what? <laughs> right. All right. Well, I think that's it, man. Yeah, I think that wraps up this episode. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, share, download episodes, spread the word. Uh, this has been a double feature. 